0: The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Live from the Field Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo.
1: Today, I think I'm just going to relay a story. I hate beepers, man. God, do I hate beepers. You know, in Atlantic City... 90s... A beeper... Meant more... Than communication. It was a goddamn status symbol. And I think beepers changed the lives of so many people because to have that status symbol was so goddamn important back then and lately i feel like i'm caught between these two worlds you know morning joe and joe i owe you a phone call and i'm sorry it's just been a weird couple days um last night was really weird I'll explain that but um I should start with I'm Bill Amadeo from Madison Amadeo and Grable & Associates there's your plug now let's do your Google SEO crawls and we're good because when people hear this they'll either think this guy's a brilliant mind or crazy or both and that's fine right now good morning Scott Grable so this morning I got up real early. And I went to the gym. I'm gonna go back to the gym at eleven thirty with Adam. But um I had a really restless night. And these two songs kept being suggested for me. One was Dizzy by Jimmy Eat World, two thousand seven. 2007 was a really unique year for me it was my last year of law school it was also the year my mother died and sometimes with Jimmy Eat World I would just escape into things and it's interesting how a song like that helped you through bar prep and now helps you through trial prep and there's other song when you're young by three doors down And when you're young, and I'll try to post these later, it just brings me back to Atlantic City. And I feel with these blogs, I have gotten back into this Atlantic City vibe. And it helps me professionally so goddamn much. But it exhausts the shit out of me. And I think about people I own or who I perceived to owe. And I wonder are debts ever really repaid? I see Scott Grable out there and I wonder if he didn't introduce me to criminal law, where would my life be right now? So I owe Scott for that. Matt McManus had the idea to come to Ann Arbor. I kind of owe him for that. Aunt Mary and mom sacrificed everything for me and I owe them. And with all the people I feel that I owe, I try to go above and beyond. But there's some shit from the past that reminds you of things you may owe or may not owe. And I don't know when debts are truly zeroed out. Last night, I'm trying to sleep. I'm having a dog shit time of it, right? I took a sleeping pill. Um wasn't working I got a podcast on and my phone starts ringing and I'm seeing this phone light up and I'm not going to answer it's 2:18 in the morning and I see block numbers coming up now when I get block numbers let me explain what that means and it's going to come back to how much of a debt do you owe? And it comes back to beepers and it comes back to Roy Rogers and Atlantic City. And it will it's all come together in a minute as I'm trying to bring these thoughts together. But um text comes in from a 6-9 number and it's a 911. Now, as a Jersey kid, Atlantic City kid in particular, when a 911 number came up on a beeper, that was a dire situation. It wasn't somebody who just wanted to talk. Kara's sleeping. Max is sleeping. Teddy's sleeping. Yudi's sleeping. I don't wanna wake these people up. Love these people. And I don't wanna pick up this call initially. And I start realizing who it is. And I said to myself, Bill, you owe this person on the other end of the call to pick up this goddamn phone. I don't wanna wake up the family, but I wanna repay this debt. I put on my hoodie, I put my earphones in, and I go outside for a walk. And I hear the voice on the other end of the phone. And he says to me, B, I'm in trouble. And I ask him, are you alone? He says, yeah, because we're going to talk through this, but I need you to be alone. An attorney client probably just going to kick in right now. And I said, I need to make sure nobody can hear our conversations. And this person is involved in some bad shit. And they've been involved in some bad shit for a long time. But this person was an unlikely friend back in DuckTown. This person was an unlikely friend back in the hood. And when I hear people talk shit about Atlantic City, I want you to remember something. When I grew up, Atlantic City was the seventh most dangerous city in the country. It was brutal. And it was worse being a white kid in that poor socioeconomic climate. And this person who's not white was somewhat kind to me. And I'm going to tell you how our friendship started and then bring you back to where we are today. We used to play baseball Baderfield, Pop Lloyd, Chelsea Heights. And some of the likes of people know what that means. But it was a time when we didn't have a pot to piss in. We were all poor. And the thing about being poor back then is you didn't know you were poor because this was the norm, okay? It was normal to have the electricity turned off. It was normal worried about if you had enough food in the fridge. It was normal to pay for your animals' food before your own food. It was normal to be on welfare. This was normal. Remember one time our electricity got turned off and my aunt is throwing blankets on me and my animals are cuddled around me and we're going to get the bills paid the next day or two, but she said to me, if you don't become successful, this is going to be our whole life. So this is on you. And I want you to think of a freezing teenager with blankets on, protecting our animals and trying to protect our family. And, you know, when people don't understand me, how the hell could you? And here's this one kid. He's a minority, but in the neighborhood we lived in, I was the minority. But we played ball together. And then one day he wasn't around anymore. And it started with a beeper. He had friends that were the same race as him. And I'm gonna be vague enough to not reveal who this person is, because I see people that will tune in after are gonna say, okay, I think I know who he's talking about. We're gonna protect that, but he got a beeper. And he disappeared. What the beeper meant back then was it was a status that you were daily alley drug dealer. Maybe you were dealing pot. Maybe you were dealing crack. But when you got the beeper, you made new friends. Your social circle changed. And part of me wanted a beeper. Because I sold the kids with the beeper we were getting pretty girls, and they had money in their pocket, and they had this, and they had that. But my aunt, God bless her, wouldn't allow me to have a beeper. Because she knew what that symbolized back then. And I was the golden boy of the ghetto. I was protected. I was the brain. I was going to be the one that got the fuck out of there, and you got to protect Billy. But while your family's protecting you, and there's no money around, you see people that are advancing... And you're confused. And you guys stay on the right track. But this one kid, he advanced in the game. And we didn't see each other much anymore. Different crowds. And when I would run into him and he would run into me, we didn't talk. Because he was up here with his group. And I was down there as one of the few white kids in that part of the city, if you would. When we were alone, we'd still be cool, high and by. And then this Roy Rogers opened up. And Roy Rogers was on Mississippi and Atlantic Avenue. And Roy Rogers had really good roast beef sandwiches and really good biscuits. But there was a lot of things that went on with that Roy Rogers. There was a bullet hole through the drive through shattered glass. It was a regular haven for drug dealing and prostitution. And it was a place of danger, but a place of peace. And you kind of segregated as to who you were. If you were a kid from the city, you sat in one part of Roy Rogers. If you were a drug dealer, you sat in another part. And if you were a pimp and prostitute, you sat in the third part. And we kind of assimilated to who we were and where we sat. Nice to go, to this Roy Rogers. And one day, I came home with a couple roast beef sandwiches. And Scruffy and Odie, my dogs, God bless them, who protected us so much, they loved the roast beef sandwiches. And I gave them my sandwiches. And now it was a thing that they looked forward to these sandwiches. And my dogs are more important than me. I wouldn't be here or survive without them. So. I started saving up money for my rectory job at the rectory, of the church, and buying them roast beef sandwiches and buying baseball cards as my investment to get out. Tell so me, you know that story. But the kid with the beeper, he started working at this Roy Rogers. And when he worked there, it was a front. Hey, Mayor Ken. It was a front for his moving up in the game. He's not in high school anymore. He's got the pretty girls, he's got the nice cars and this job at Roy Rogers, which was a front to protect him from incarceration and such. And when I'd go in there, he would see me. And he knew I didn't have a pot to piss in. And knowing me the way he did, and he did know me more than most, he knew that those sandwiches would go to my dogs. So what he used to do for me was he would put extra sandwiches and biscuits in the bag for me and not charge me for them. And he would just look at me and say, don't worry about it, B. And I felt like I owe him because he helped me during this time of need, you know? And he calls last night and he's facing serious incarceration because he's in his late 40s now and he's been in the game since he was 15 years old and let me be clear on this to be in the game that long you are an endangered species but you did something to still be in the game and he's called me many times throughout the years as my criminal law career has taken off And he always starts with, you know, you're the one that got out. He was smarter than me, he could have got out, but I understood the road he took. So I get out of bed at 2.18 and I'm walking around our neighborhood with my earphones on and I'm coaching him. And there's been several of his friends associates, if you will, that I have helped keep out at New Jersey Department of Corrections. They listened to me. I've never charged them for that advice because he gave me roast beef sandwiches and biscuits for my dogs when I was a poor 15-year-old kid. And after we reviewed the situation for 40 minutes or so, we talked about life for a minute. And I realize that my crosses to bear and my problems are different from his. But in that moment, in that moment, I was that 15 year old kid that was grateful for those roast beef sandwiches for Odie and Scruffy. And there's some survivor's guilt, if you would, but I was mad at myself, cause I was jealous of him at 15. Then you're mad because you couldn't protect him from himself. And then you think, I owe this debt. And I don't know when debts are actually zeroed out. And Mike, you're right, walking around at two o'clock, thus set off ring doorbells, but where I walked in our neighborhood, there's a little like beach area and you could walk in silence and nobody could hear your conversation. And I'm coaching. And part of it was an ego trip too, and I hate to admit that. Because I looked up to him in a way, with the nice car and the pretty girl and this and that. And now he's looking up to me. And it's weird how life changes. But I don't know if I took that call simply because I felt I owed him. I don't want to feel better about myself. Now I got a little bit of power. I know how to make shit happen. I know how to protect you. Do A, B, and C. Change the phone. Watch your back. Be careful who you think the informants are. We go on and on. I got a PhD in criminal law from Atlantic City. When people say this shit comes natural to you, it's because. I grew up with it, I saw it firsthand, it was there. And I wonder, when it comes to the debt, he made my life easier at 15. I gotta make his life easier when he's 48. And I went home And I tried to sleep. And I finally got to sleep. My mind's bombarded with dreams from Atlantic City. And I start reliving bad memories. And I thought to myself as I'm sleeping, I remember this clearly. I said, God, I hope I wake up soon. So I wake up, I may be in Ann Arbor. I could hug my kid and walk my dog and tell my wife goodbye and go to the gym and get out of this goddamn dream. Or nightmare, however you wanna phrase it. But I couldn't wake up right away. And that call brought me back to this place. And I realize, no matter how many trials you win, your bank account or portfolio looks like in so many ways i am that kid on willow fucking avenue and i can't escape that and i'm not sure if i want to escape that but some days i have to and it's a mind fuck man And I feel powerful, but lost. In the moment, I was back there. And the fucked up thing about going back there in that moment is in some ways in criminal law and in life, we become method actors. And it's hard to break character because when you're so goddamn in the situation, you lose yourself. I don't want to dream about shit from Atlantic City when I'm trying to sleep. I want to forget about that time period, but you can't. If you're objective, if you're real, that shit stays with you, motivates you and exhausts you. And I look at my friend, and I'll call him friend. I say I don't want to go to prison. And he's going to listen to me for a moment. But then the same shit's going to happen again. And I don't know when I stop taking that call. And I feel if I knew that that was repaid I could not I could let the call go the reality is this I don't know that that's ever going to be repaid and a little thing like roast beef and Sandwiches and biscuits for my dogs, 1992, puts me in a different place in 2024. I don't need that anymore. But, um, I did then. He didn't have to give me that extra food regularly. I don't know if I took advantage of a situation. you know, for your animals, if you're an animal lover, you can justify a lot of things. It wasn't right to take that free food. But if it's for my dogs, it's justified. If it's for somebody you love, things are justified. If it's for somebody you owe, things are justified. But all those justifications, you can lose yourself. And that's why I hate beepers. When I see a beeper, like in an old movie or something, I get this weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. Because the beeper was symbolic of someone crossing over. Crossing over into this different world. Thank God. Aunt Mayor and Mom and Grandpa and Miss Candia never let me have a goddamn beaver back then.
0: The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio.
1: You know, it's a lot of ways I go with this one. And I know a lot of people that don't like me are waiting for me to blast some people. When the press came up to me after the trial, and they wanted to know what I had to say, I told them I was relieved they should talk to the Grady L's. And I felt I handled that with class. So I was reviewing notes for this a lot of anger a lot of frustration and i want to say a few things at the jump <laughs> and i know people will tune in watch this later then it will be replayed certain people have issues with me first i'm going to say Trovius star was amazing out there absolutely amazing Second What Shatina and Dan went through was hard and um, I stuck in that case because number one I don't quit cases and number two I believed it was the right thing to do That came amidst death threats throughout these last four years and chaos and social media commentary. Thought drama. I also wanna understand some I wanna state something that everybody needs to understand. The police have a very tough job. And despite some things that were said during trial, I respect the Washington County Sheriff's Department. And I hope we can all work together. I think they have a tough job I think anybody's ever had the badge and a gun is under pressure a lot of ways but I view this case as a whole as a basic failure of society as a whole I don't know why this case had to get the trial and what I could tell you is politics played a big role politics were huge in this one and my issues with Dana Nestle are well documented. Um, Issues with Eli Sabat have come to light. Issues with John Vela, go on and on. And you know, when you got a set of balls in the brain and you speak your mind, you're gonna rub people the wrong way. But I wanna explain how I got involved in this case and explain a few things that I heard over the years and Mike P told me something one day in a text that kind of hit hard so you yeah, don't focus on the assholes don't focus on the negativity because when I first thought what am I going to say about this topic there were so many people I want to rip into And I realize now, it's like, oh, some of those people aren't worth the time. And what goes on between the white lines and what goes on outside the white lines are two very different things. I said some things during the trial that I would not want advertised on social media because when I'm in the game my fights protect my client I also plead with everyone I don't want racial violence I don't want people attacking police officers because I heard some people that had plans and I'm worried about that um, I don't want innocent people getting harmed by police officers we got to find a way to work together and in my opinion Trying to put Shatina Gradyell in prison and Dan Gradyell in jail was not the answer here. And I do blame Dana Nussle for a lot of that. So I'm just going to take it from the top. Just give you my views on things. Without trying to badmouth people, I'm going to speak on things that happened factually. You can take that for what you will. I learned about this case March 27th of 2020 when Scott Harper, a friend of mine, sent me the link. And I saw this horrible Facebook link that stuck with me. And when I heard that there were going to be charges brought, my initial reaction was, well. You know, charging a police officer is never an easy thing to do, but I commend the Washtenaw County Prosecutor's Office for doing so, if that was warranted. And then we find out that the officers weren't the ones being charged. It was these two people that I saw getting pummeled and tased. And I didn't know what to think of that? why are victims being charged? Kind of shook me a little bit as I watched that video over and over again, and I thought a few things to myself: one, do you want to get involved in this? Um That was a tough thing to consider. And i knew where my career was in 2020 i knew there was a heated prosecutorial election coming up and money kind of became a secondary thing at this point i had a lot of cases and i don't know what this was going to entail And I here I am living in the suburbs of Ann Arbor. But when I watched that video, I was brought back to Willow Avenue. I was brought back to that poor white kid in the ghetto. And let me be really clear. I'm not going to name some idiots by names, but I've heard a lot of things told about Atlantic City lately. If you grew up in Ducktown in the 90s, you grew up in a very difficult environment. Atlantic City was the seventh most dangerous city in Atlantic in the world, in the country, excuse me, from 90 to 94. Look it up. We grew up with violence. And here you are, you worked so hard to get out of that environment to support your aunt Mary and your mom you went to law school and you escaped and i'm watching this video over and over again and i felt like i'm torn i am the successful white lawyer in one breath and i'm that little kid from the hood and i couldn't stop watching the video and every time i watched the video I got more and more upset finally I looked up who this was and I went to the Washington County Jail and I got involved and when you solicit you have to do it for a pro bono situation and I went to go see Shatina Gradio. And when I saw Tina in the jail the first time, the first time Tina and I laid eyes on each other, I saw this woman with this lump on her head. She was beaten, she was abused, she was upset, she was crying, and she was charged with felonies. I met her husband, Dan. And Dan was reluctant at first, and obviously a white guy showed up at the jail, I'd be reluctant to. And I don't think Dan really wanted me as the lawyer initially. And I said, let's just try and get you out today and see where we go. And I don't know what I'm walking into at this point. And these protests take off. And the main figure I sold these protests was Eli Savitt. Now, when Savitt ran against Aryan Slay, Judge Slay today, I mean, I gave money to Slay, a lot of money to Slay, because Slay is the most brilliant criminal mind I knew. I didn't know who Eli Savitt was. Maybe I still don't. But here was this guy out there. And he was telling us that was wrong, what happened to Shatina. And it made you look at him differently. And I thought to myself, well, here's a guy who may not be part of our world, but he gives a shit. And then you learned Victoria Burton Harris was gonna come along and be his number two, and I knew her from Detroit as a criminal defense lawyer. And you know, there's no way Arian Slay should have lost that election. Let me be really clear about that. And I'm not trying to shit on Sabbath today. I'm just telling you that Arian Slay is still the most brilliant legal mind I know. And I'll say that whether she's ruling in my favor or against me, she's doing a hell of a job as a circuit court judge. And if you think that she's never ruled against me, I look. Yes, you look at the LeBlanc case, okay? She rules the way she feels she should, and she knows a little better than anybody else. And that's what you want out of a judge. That's what you want out of a prosecutor, too, by the way. But Savitt stood by the Grady L's, and that meant a lot to the people of Ypsilanti meant a lot to all of us. And I was like, well, I got to give it to him. And he won the election. And the dust cleared. And at this point, we're all going on with our lives. We don't really think anything's going to happen with the Grady L. matter. Um, I get a call one day. I get this call from the Washington County Sheriff's Department. And they tell me the Attorney General has decided to charge the Grady L's. After Washtenaw furthered the case. So what it means to further a case. Means they didn't want to make a decision. And Dana Nessel came out. And she said that the officers were justified in their actions. And people went to Savit who they knew had supported the Grady L's during these protests and Savitt was hands off like hey not my case and this was the beginning of Savitt and I having issues I know Burton Harris doesn't like me Chris, now shit got real they were going they being the eternal generals were going to try to lock chatina gradiella and dan gradiella and this was going to be a war i didn't understand why this had to happen and i knew at my trial docket this was not going to be a fun time for me but i don't quit cases I gave my word to the Great Eels I was going to finish this thing and Trovius finished this thing. We went to the prelim. At the prelim, I didn't think it would get bound over. Probable cause is such a low burden and usually prelims just get bounced over but this was really weak. And the prelim gets bound over and Dana Nessel puts out a press release October 21st of 2021 Dana Nessel said while we will not condone conduct by the police which endangers the public neither will we tolerate actions by private citizens which interferes with a police investigation or threatens the safety of our law enforcement officers I remember Jerry Clayton who can't stand the sight of me grinning from ear to ear as the great L's were being charged and heading toward a circuit court trial. And this was really getting at me. I've become friends with certain officers. I feel race relations have gotten better and I'm confused. We made all this progress. Why are we charging these people? Why are we doing this to this family? I wanted the Grady L's protect it and I want the cops protect it this was politics and as Jermaine Ruffin once said to me politics is a full contact sport and Nestle in the Attorney General's office decided to back Mr. Clayton and charge this woman and this man this unarmed woman and man And we keep hearing things that Shatina bit the officer. You mean when she was fighting for her life after the officer put his hands on her? Okay. And Dan got tased when he was unarmed? And the police report says it was successful tasing? That was the word that got me, successful. I never knew tasing an unarmed man would be deemed success. Learned a lot. And... Prior to the trial, the Tuesday before, as many of my close in their circle know, I was approached at the gym. A couple guys came up to me. None of them were trying to rob me or carjack me or whatever. I gave them a few bucks and we were talking and they said, good luck next week, we think you got this, but if you don't, we will. And they showed me a gun. And the gun was not a threat towards me. And now at this point, you're sitting there. And you're kind of confused. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because now you've reached this plateau in life. You got a child. You got success. You got some money, and and Blake and I could all be taken away. And if the pressure of the trial wasn't enough, now this shit happens. I didn't want this thing going to trial but the Attorney General's office was not backing off and Mike Doby and I were at trial and I think Mike Doby's an excellent lawyer It's a damn good prosecutor and this was not Mike Doby's fault so don't hate Mike Doby that problem with anybody should have a problem with Dana Nessel Doby was just doing what the job assigned him to do he did not make the charging decisions let me be clear about that I've heard people badmouth Michael Doby. Michael Doby's a good man. He was assigned a case, he had to do it. Dana Nessel is your problem there, because Dana Nessel did not have to charge these people. And day one we go into trial. And we're picking jurors. And I am really hoping that I get people from Ypsilanti on this jury. I want minorities from Ypsilanti who have felt the pain of the great L's. And there's about 50 jurors and there was only three black individuals in the entire pool. And the one that was almost on our jury gets pulled off by the AG, which is their right. So I got a jury of all Caucasians. Cool and I'm concerned right now because what has been made out in the media, when I heard social media comments that people were hoping Shatina went to prison, I said, well, we didn't get the jury we wanted. This task is going to get more difficult. And day one, you know, it was heated. But when I'm in a trial, it's almost like when you get hit the first time, you just start playing. And there was a lot of sleepless nights. But day one, I remember going into day two. And I had to shut my phone off. I'm getting calls. I'm getting texts like crazy. And this is a high profile case. I get that. I signed up for this. And all I keep thinking to myself is, my God, if we lose, Shatina could go to prison. This can't happen. Day two came and day two was full of testimony and closing arguments. No one break, Dan came up to me and he goes, Hey Bill, I want the leash off the pit bull. And that was him saying, I want you to go at them. And I was waiting to go at them. There were certain witnesses where you shouldn't attack and there were certain ones you should have attacked. And closing argument was a full launch attack. And the day ends. And you don't know what's going to happen now. The jury deliberates for an hour. We come back the next day. And let me tell you something. The waiting is the worst part of this. There's anxiety coming into the game. And then there's this adrenaline in the game. And then it's a general and drop. And there's the waiting. And you're working on other things. You got your computer and you're working on motions and you're taking calls from clients and you're out of your mind. And the jury comes back. And we're just waiting and the floor woman She starts saying, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And it was like a bizarre... Like, is this really happening? And there was this relief. And I wanted to talk to the jury. I tried to Facebook a few of them. I always want to talk to a jury after a trial. But, um... We had to rush out there were security concerns there was drama people were texting what was being said on YouTube the good the bad the ugly and you know you hug Shatina and you hug Dan you hug Treshe and I'll give it to Trishay Duckworth Trisha and I've had some issues over the last couple of years but I mean she was there and there's a lot of people that weren't there There's a lot I could say about a lot of people right now. There's a lot of frustration in me. I wrote a list of every character in the game during this journey. And most of the people on this list, I don't have a lot of good things to say about. But you know what? To the people that could have fixed this. You gotta look yourself in the mirror. I like what I see in the mirror. I don't know how you do. I'm not gonna waste much time on that. It's a shame we had to go to trial on this. And I'm grateful that justice prevailed. And I'm glad I was a part of that. But I also wanna make sure we can move on peacefully. Despite what was said during that trial, what was said between the white lines, we have to work as a team, guys. And quite frankly, we all failed during this process. And I hope the Grady L's can get on with their life and put this chaos behind them. And I'm glad I played a role in Justice But I hope we can truly work as a team. And for those of you that are pissed off right now, we gotta get past this. For those of you that want to talk shit right now, it's not the move. Case is over. I don't want to see another Shatina or Dan Grady I'll have to come in a situation like this. I don't want to see officers target it. And the people that often make the loudest noise are the ones that have the balls to get involved in this situation in the first place. From where we were four years ago to where we are now, I want you to take a good look at who were the loudest voices then and who was silent today. And really examine the situation. Cause I do not intend to say much more about this I told people I would speak on it and I spoke my heart and thought will always be with the Grady L family and I consider them friends for life there's many other people who I would not give the time of day to but I don't feel like getting into them You guys know who you are, and you know you failed these people. And many of you benefited from these people while failing them, and that just is bullshit.
0: Have a good weekend.